Development Psychology Podcast. I am Charlotte Skogsberg, your host for this podcast. I am enchanted to meet and to take you with me on this journey into the human psyche viewed from the holistic approach of yoga and Ayurveda and viewed from the modern man approach of clinical psychology and psychoanalysis. So have something nice to drink next to you, maybe a cup of tea, have a seat, or go out for a nice walk in nature maybe. Enjoy. In this episode that focuses on psychology, I want to speak to you about your uniqueness. Because that is one of the most misunderstood concepts, I think, today. And it's also to make a link with last uh, week and the week before that, where I spoke of envy, which is actually there for your lack of seeing the uniqueness in you and cherishing it. And that's what creates the feeling of scarcity and lack at the first place. So if we hear that and then take a look at social media, we could potentially argue that there should be not any envy today, since everyone seems to be screaming on the top of their lungs just how darn special they are, except that they're not being authentic that they've misunderstood. And here is why I can say that. The extreme extroversion, the exhibition we can see today is actually not for your uniqueness as much as it is a fear of being ordinary. Because we have been taught since childhood, and when I say we, I mean, for sure, generation Y and Z, so born from 1980 and on, that we are extraordinary, that we can achieve anything we set our minds to. But actually, what that really creates is that in order to be worthy, we need to be extraordinary. Being ordinary means that we're not really deserving of attention. And as we all know by now, attention means belonging, means care, means love. More than that, we're taught that life is supposed to be perfect, that our parents are flawless. We try to live up to those super parents. It just seems unattainable, right? Because it is unattainable. Guess what? They were not flawless. Your parents were not that great. It's really the story of the golden child and the scapegoat. One of them can't seem to get anything wrong, whereas the other never gets anything right. And the irony is here. It creates the same shame in both of them. If you are set for success... It's important to never disappoint anyone. If you feel 
that you have always been the victim of any kind of blame. It will become your battle to show that you are good and worthy. Both will seek to get approval. And that approval is a hit and miss anyway because what you want to be approved of is that you are worthy. But you, what you've been taught is that you need to produce or achieve things in order to get that approval, in order to feel worthy. So we have misunderstood the value of our being for the value of our doing. And God knows that the number of people I see who claim that they feel lost, that they feel lack of direction, and without a purpose, is enormous. Of course, because if the whole journey was set by parents saying we could become something really big and important, then we have to spend so much time trying to figure out if we can find that really important thing to be, without ever actually asking ourselves if we want it. We have taken on the rules of the family. And those rules weren't even the reality for the family. They were all broken dreams and desires of our parents, now trying to live through their children to feel that their lives weren't failures after all. Am I painting a dark picture for you here? Forgive me. Well, just take a look at the kind of things we were fed on TV. During our childhood or teens, we were being taught what it was to be an adult in a group of friends that never really seemed to work, but still lived in some of the most desirable places, right? Whether it was New York or South Beach, California, Beverly Hills, right? They had beautiful big houses and apartments and they spent most of their time in cafes, hanging with the, their buddies, hanging by the pool or on the beach. And you would also see them actually eating the, what they would call standard American diet, for a living, yet their bodies were more screaming eating disorders than anything else. It's confusing when we leave the safety of our parents' home and realize that we will actually have to work really hard to not enjoy maybe the job that we have so much and live in a place that simply corresponds to the budget we have and not necessarily what we desire to live in. All the while we're building up the protecting wall around our vulnerable hearts since, well, no one must find out that we are not the superhumans we were told that we are and that we could be. Trying to live up to an ideal that actually never existed in the first place is just an equation for burnout. And then, of course, adding on the last, well, let's say, 15 years of Instagram and TikTok as well, it has all escalated. Because, of course, the 
ultimate su success would be to let everyone know just how much we achieved. And so, remember, back then, being on TV would be proof that someone had made it. Of course, with social media, every, everyone got a shot at being on TV because actually, nowadays, everyone could just broadcast themselves. And then it went so far that unless you were broadcasting yourself, actually, whatever you did wasn't really interesting. It didn't really exist because no one would know. If a tree falls in the forest but no one is there to hear it, does it still make a sound? Unfortunately, our parents did not want us to feel the pressure of being extraordinary, but that came anyway. Instead, they wanted us to feel what they didn't feel, that everything is possible, that the world is your smorgasbord, your oyster, that things are possible, because they wanted us to believe, to have faith, to trust in our future. And the sad truth is that all along we missed to realize that doing isn't the same thing as being. When we are convinced that our worth is dependent on what we do, then everything in our day becomes a means to an end. Will this serve me somehow? If not, we don't waste our time with it. We don't stop to smell the roses because we can't use that smell to make a post. We can sometimes feel really good in a moment, a real radical presence, if you will. And then as soon as we become aware of the rarity of this sensation, of the explosion of experience, we lose it already. Because that makes us plan how are we going to use this insight. Will I tell someone? Will I create something around this? Is this an opportunity? And the moment, of course, is gone. As if the insight itself, just by me in my own world, would not be enough, actually. And of course, it isn't since... I have not practiced feeling enough just by being me. It creates a really narrow world. We feel very small since we spend our days trying to figure out what we can do to improve ourselves. And for sure, there is therefore self-absorption here. And that is definitely a part of the self-development let's say, trend. There is narcissism in this selfie obsession. But quite the opposite reason for it, as opposed to what we often think. Because this obsession with self is not because a person is convinced that they're so great, 
and they're the best in the world. On the contrary, it's the fear deep down that they are really nothing at all. If they would be so convinced that they're the best, they don't need anyone to tell them that they are, because they know it, right? It is only when we are not convinced that we will seek the validation so that we can confirm that it's so. The uniqueness that I'm talking about is not only in you, but even so in the present moment, right now, this instant. And if the present moment is only a means to an end, then life becomes very poor. If we would use that time where we were just waiting for something, like waiting for the bus, for instance, to see the uniqueness in the now, our world would open up. If we could engage with the cashier at the shop for just a second, if we could smile at the waiter or the clerk at the post office, we would have an interaction, right? And even if that one is very brief, and even if we will never see them again, there will be a short moment of connection, which means that there will be a moment of expansion. And we realize in that moment that this person is real, that this person is actually a whole universe in themselves. This person is as unique as a snowflake. What we have misunderstood is that extraordinary is what everyone is just by being a person. Because there is not really anything ordinary about anyone. But for us to realize that there's nothing ordinary about anything, we would have to put the small child goggles on again, you know, before conditioning, before learning that we had to be so special. A small child is curious about everything and its surroundings. It will smile at the bus driver and it might even chat to the lady next to you at the baker's. And we would have to be so very open to what we have in front of us that we're not expecting what we see or wanting what we see to be different in any other way. Have you ever noticed how some of us, and maybe you're one of them, will tend to just find imperfections with anything new they encounter? You know, it's the renovation where this and that was missed. Or it's the outfit that just needed a slight adjustment. For those who are being the, let's say, victim exposed to the critical eye, and that can obviously be interchangeable, so one time it's one and the other time it's the other, we tend to think that they're just being plain mean, right? But actually, it's so ingrained in the system that 
the person who does this really like every time is not even capable of seeing the bigger picture because it's really that it's the narrowed vision and not capable of seeing the broader vision the bigger picture it's really just like a chef that will not be able to sit down in someone else's restaurant for a meal without evaluating is the ratio of salt versus sour or sweet for instance the the right one is it cooked the right time is it overcooked not enough and the reason of course that it's so hard to not do that is conditioning for the professional of course is the training the years of training first in the school and then of course in in the work right But for the person who is constantly criticizing, it's this striving for perfection. Since only perfection can be worthy enough. What happens there, right, is we scan the environment with this measuring stick. But of course, what that does, just like I was saying, is that it's narrowing down, right, our vision, our field of vision. And so we're totally missing out, actually, on what's actually happening. And we do this, of course, with each other. Just take the typical example of fear of commitment, right? So the commitment phobe, let's call it, or just the person who's scared, will hone in on this one detail something someone said, their partner in that position, right, for instance, or did, that will absolutely be that one thing that is just too much and you cannot look back from it, right? It's you have to just break up with the person. And of course, behind that action in this specific uh, situation of the fear of commitment, it is not actually that the person has maybe done something that's inexcusable or just not possible, but more the seeking of a threat, because it really comes from that. What is threatening my reality in this moment, right? And then I will latch on to that, and that will be the reason, and I see none of the rest. But of course, all that it does is to try to protect myself from a potential pain. So if we do this to situations, to the environment and to other people, what would you guess we do with ourselves, right? It's the constant scanning for errors. How can I find the flaws before someone else sees them? So that I can make sure not to be exposed not to be exposed to their judgment because naturally if I see it as a flaw other people will see it as a flaw and they will judge me for it and once again we're just not understanding how much we sabotage for ourselves by doing so you see it is only when we allow ourselves to expose our flaws that we're actually being vulnerable and only when we are vulnerable can we actually create something intimate an intimate experience and an intimate intimate relationship with another person if there is no vulnerability 
there is no connection. If you lack connection in your life, you can be sure that it's due to a difficulty to be intimate, to be vulnerable, to be flawed. Mostly, it's because we don't dare to believe that we could be loved, that someone could accept us if we are not perfect, air quote. And see, the actual uniqueness, though, of you is often those imperfections that you crave so much to actually erase. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this podcast and this episode. I am very grateful. If you enjoyed this and you think that other people could enjoy this, please help me to spread the word. Share this episode on any channel that you have of social media or messaging. And even more so, I would really appreciate if you know one other person who might benefit from my words today specifically. Take that one minute it takes to simply share this episode with one person. Remember that there's a human being on the other side of your phone, of your earpods, of this microphone. And I would love to hear your thoughts on what I've been talking about. So please leave a comment. Send me a message directly if you wish. This is Charlotte. This is me. See you next time. Namaste.